This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, we've got another awesome guest on here for you. We have Matt Leshper, who is the owner-broker of 1836 Property Management, and he's going to tell us all about what he's doing with real estate investing here in the Austin area and how he's also helping others do the same. Hey, Matt, how are you? Great to see you, Jordan. Great to see you, too. Before we get started here, Matt, most important question we ask on this podcast, what is your favorite restaurant in Austin? I've got two for you. I've got a fancy and a casual. Uh, the casual go-to is always Maudie's. Uh, I don't know anybody that's from Austin that loves Austin that doesn't love Maudie's. It's just, that's just the way it is. Great place. Uh, nothing against Matt's El Rancho, but yeah. Maudie's, Maudie's is my jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a nice place, I would say Uchi. Uh, just for some reason, that ended up being a date night for us years ago. It's never failed us. It always impresses. The food is insane. Just that hard to get into. Madi's, you can walk right in. Uchi. Yeah, yeah. Uchi, you got to plan for a little bit or get early. Yep, absolutely. Awesome. Love both those places. So, Matt, real quick, could you tell our audience who you are and how you were involved with real estate investing here in the Austin area? Mm, big question. Who are you? It's a little existential for exactly uh, today, but we will start off. Uh, my name is Matt Leshper. I uh, am the owner broker at 1836 Property Management. So we manage assets for uh, a little over 800 units in uh, Austin and the surrounding communities. And then I have real estate investments of my own in Austin. My wife has some, my family, uh, all, all the family members have rental properties. Uh, in this area, as well as we own a few in uh, Missouri as well. Okay, interesting. We'll have to talk more about the Missouri area. So what led to Missouri? Obviously, in Austin or in the Central Texas area, you're here, but how did you end up in Missouri? One of the most freeing things that I have found that I wish our clients would do, um, which not many people can do because it's scary, and I understand, is to let go. And I have done enough repetitions as someone serving clients as a property manager that I get it. I already know what they're going to do probably better than they do because I've just had more reps in more years. Mm-hmm. So uh, when we looked at numbers nationwide, I had someone say, hey, this area looks like it's up and coming. So we just dug in. I went, well, it won't cost this and rents for that. How many can I buy? And uh, so we were kind of limited by what we could buy, by the number of loans you could have in your name and things like that. But we bought all we could. And that was before the government started printing money during COVID. And uh, darn happy we did because we got them at two to three percent interest rates, uh, even on investment properties. We um, they jumped in value by twenty five percent as soon as the printing started and we're sitting on them. And I've got a property manager up there and I I don't ever call him. I don't ever poke him. Um, I get HOA notices and I laugh because he's copied on them and he has to deal with them. And I think I'm the best client ever because I don't even want to talk to him. Just do your job. I'll do mine and make sure the money shows up. And it, you know, things break, things happen. I mean, they didn't have the yard sodded when they built these houses. Okay. Well, then we're going to have to maybe sod the yard. Tell me when you want the money. So it's not real complex. I feel like people, 
make investing complex by overthinking it. And if you're in large scale multifamily, you do have to overthink it. It isn't any joke. They're down to the penny. But when you're in single family homes, it's just not that complex. So keep it simple. Mm -hmm. So were these new build properties? You said the yards weren't sodded? They were new builds, yes. New community, new builds uh, for rentals. Uh, obviously, if you get a deal, it's it's a deal. But if you're just going into a market or if you were just to pick one, like one of my last purchases locally, it was a new build, new community, um, cul-de-sac, three, two, one story, no neighbors behind, cookie cutter, clean, really nice entry-level house, no brainer i mean it, you would have to make an effort to screw it up yeah, absolutely good appreciation probably really low capex easy maintenance that kind of stuff it's just solid i mean if you're buying at entry level in the marketplace don't go in there and throw glass and granite everywhere i mean if granite comes with it great that's fine but don't go upgrade 25 things right just let it be what it is and i love that everybody likes to analyze all these numbers but the truth is it, it, it's going to do what it does that invisible hand of the marketplace functions better than we can analyze the numbers in my experience. Now, maybe somebody out there is a guru or they've got more data and, and that's fair, but I've gone in when I had more, more time than clients when I started this business looking for the special deal. And it really told me when I ran the numbers that that the capitalism works, you know, prices aren't different unless there's a reason they're different within a reasonable range. So if you save a $5,000, okay, great, that's fine. But are you willing to put in six months of work for 5,000? You've just lost 10 by staying out of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it. I see a lot of the same thing of it, it's easy to try to overanalyze residential property. And you mentioned it earlier, where when you're, you're dealing with a big commercial property, you really need to get in there and, and, dig into the due diligence and be really specific when you're underwriting properties. But with, uh, with residential, you know, if it rents for this and it costs this much to own it and it's in a nice neighborhood and has low CapEx, like your new build properties, I mean, that's, it, it's going to get more expensive over time because they're not going to make any more nice properties in that area. You know, you're going to have to get further and further out, and, you know, probably smaller. Yeah, I, I've rarely seen cities other than maybe Detroit or somewhere like that, which I respect and I understand, but shrink in size. You know, these mm -hmm. these cities down here in the South, whether you like them or don't like them, have been consistently growing. The, the policies are as such. And I'm not red or blue. I just am watching what's going on. And, uh, and the weather here has been pretty good over the years. This year is a little hot, but I don't yeah. think people are moving out of here because of that. No. And I was just at the Austin San Antonio growth summit here today. And they were talking all about how Austin and San Antonio continue to grow together and they're going to do everything they can to facilitate that growth on every front. So I think we're going to see Austin, San Antonio and grow into a Metroplex. And I fully recognize we are much further apart than Dallas, Fort Worth, but I think we're going to see from here to San Antonio, be one big city here in the next 10, 15 years. Completely agree. I just want a high-speed train, but that's a personal request. They were talking about that there. Yeah, so. they've been talking too long. Southwest Airlines killed the first bill that went through, I think, in the 80s because they didn't yeah. want the competition. And I still love Southwest, but I'm I'm a little grudge holding against that. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand that. Um, 
So Matt, how did you get started in the real estate industry? You said you started working as a realtor and property manager before you started investing. What what interested you in it to begin with? Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing. And I'd be able to help more people. Thanks guys. Well, I had some things that were happening in life that uh, did not afford me to get paid to leave home uh, for certain careers, and, and I needed to rearrange my life due to some some personal things in my family. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had family that was in real estate. I got into real estate, started with Keller Williams, did a couple of years there. Still, uh, I, I saw one of the old team leads just this past week at a real estate event. I just love some of those people over there. Mm-hmm. But Real estate sales was not for me. I can do it. I can deal with it. I understand it. It just wasn't a personality fit. Uh, I felt like I was having to be a cheerleader for people to make good decisions for themselves. And I, mm-hmm. I it just it drained me emotionally um, to be in that position. And I also didn't like the I mean, I actually like ranching and farming, but I didn't like the rancher story where you have to go out and find a client. And if you're successful, you send the client to slaughter, so to speak. You know, you you sell their house, they move to Minnesota, you never see them again. You got to go find another client. Mm-hmm. And uh that was that was just not something I loved. Um and so I I looked to stabilize my income. I was already in real estate. So I thought, well, property managers, everybody hates them. It just sucks. So I, I can surely I can manage a couple properties and then supplement my income and maybe figure it out and go from there. And I think when you're starting out and you have, as I said, more time than than money or sense, um, you're willing to do a lot of things like that because you can. And so I started with just one, two, three properties and, and climbed from there. We've never had a significant acquisition. I think at one time early, I acquired like 18 properties from one person. That was the largest we've ever had. We built this company one at a time. And um, I found that those client relationships were a lot more rewarding. Um, I could actually build a relationship with somebody. I could actually change or affect change on them long term and and see them benefit from it. And everyone that sold a home minus a handful, um, I, I couldn't make the math work for them to sell it. And now there are situations, life, death, birth, uh, divorce marriage. Those are valid. Like if you're getting divorced, you're not, you, you don't want to keep living in the same house with your ex, right? That's not healthy. But people were selling homes just to get bigger and bigger homes. And I, I, could, I just couldn't make it make sense. And so, you know, I, at that time I was doing sales as well. And so I didn't want to tell people just, you know, I'm not going to do it, but I would give them the math 20 times. And I go, look, you know, just hold this. Even if you're you're breaking even, it's going to do this for you over the next 20 years. Go buy the other home, live your dream, but but don't cash out everything you have to keep buying bigger and bigger homes in a state where property taxes are some of the highest in the nation. Mm-hmm. You know, income tax is not. So don't do that. Like just let it ride and then pay for your other home, get the mortgage interest deduction, get whatever you can on that new home. And uh some people listened and most did not. Um, some of those clients, though, have been with us, believe it or not, like we just went through our list of clients with uh, more than 10 years with us. And wow. it was quite extensive. We had like 20 clients that had over 15 years with us. Wow. And those people have not just stayed with us. They have cashed out, bought another home, sent mm-hmm. their kids, cashed out, bought a third home. And so now we have multiple generations of people 
that have built their wealth because they just stayed the course. We one of my favorite stories, and and not to take away from me and go on a, a tangent here, but we had a client. They came to us, and it was the daughter and son of a mother who needed to go to a, a retirement center. Let's say, and they were just fraught with fear. Do we sell? Do we rent it? Oh my God, what's going to happen? Do, I mean, they just they were just paralyzed with fear, and so I really. I did my best and I, I got them to rent the house and they struggled. I'm not going to be honest. They were, they were scared the whole time. The rent from that home paid for mom to be in the retirement center for over 10 years. She lived forever. And, uh, and I'm happy for that. Mm -hmm. When they went to sell it, it was worth almost three times as much as when they would have sold it originally. So I just, I've seen this play out because we've been doing this so long that I just want to shake people and just say, you know, stop being your own worst enemy. Just hold the course. It all works out if you're in an area which is growing or at least stable. And the, the Samsung deal for me was kind of the nail in the coffin of whether or not Office was, you know, Austin was going to just go for the next 10 or 15 years. I don't think people understand how big that is because it's strategic national importance. Mm -hmm. Um and that was the final straw for me, minus all the other stuff with Tesla and Amazon and Facebook. That was it. And, and I'm telling you, the next 10 years here can't change course. If you've driven by that place, you can't even count the number of cranes in the yeah. air. And, it, it, and that's just the start. So um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I just I can't say enough good things about this area, about the people, about the ethics for those of us that have been here for decades and aren't, you know, just zipping through town those of us that actually grew up here have some serious pride and doing the right thing and saying what we do and uh delivering and i don't know i just I just love it here man yeah no i love that so again i was at the austin san antonio growth summit here earlier today it's just a two-hour luncheon but they were talking all about that and they were showing how texas had consistently outperformed the nation and yeah we're probably going through an economic slowdown you know it might last another year or so um i don't i don't know your, your opinions on what you're seeing in the market but i don't think we're seeing that so much with housing because residential especially rentals because people need a place to live no matter what happens that's and, not gonna go away well yeah like you mentioned with those big projects i i heard a statistic a few years back and I can't quote where it came from, but for every job that comes from a plant like a Tesla or a Samsung, there's eight jobs from suppliers that follow that. And th when those projects aren't even built, I mean, Samsung is a great example. Tesla is a great example. Even Tesla is built. But if you drive by the Tesla plant, there's multiple other plants being built in the area already, some by Tesla, some by suppliers. It's just going to continue to grow. And then their headcount. I want to say they said initially thirty or forty thousand. Now they're saying sixty thousand. They're not. Even, there's not even enough people here for them. They're busing people from Colleen and from Lockhart and Vastrop and that kind of stuff into work every day. Expect people from Houston to start looking over here. I'm telling yeah. you because Houston was always known as, yeah, you know what, man, you may not love it, but if you want a job, go to Houston because mm -hmm. it was that's just the way it was. People work yeah. hard there and they go to work. And I think Austin now is going to have, we're going to start sucking some of those people out because everybody knows the pay is greater in Austin. Absolutely. There's just too much opportunity. And I think the the whole region is going to continue to draw people from around the country and around the world. 
you know, I'm reading a book called The Texas Triangle, and it talks all about how the triangle is just poised to grow tremendously. And Austin is, I would say, probably the fastest growth. Austin, San Antonio, MSA is going to be the fastest, uh, but uh, everywhere else is going to continue to grow too. And we're just going to keep pulling people in here. Um, so I, I like what you said there. I, a lot of people, you were a realtor before you became a property manager, which you need to be, you need uh, quite a bit of time as a realtor to be able to be a property manager. Uh, I want to say it's 900 total hours of education. It's years and all kind of stuff. But the other thing is, that, yeah, you have to be a broker to be able to maintain trust accounts in Texas because yep. they want somebody they can hang if something goes wrong. And I, I like that. Yeah, it, but it, it's no small feat. It's a lot of it's a lot of time and a lot of education. So I commend you for that. But you talked about, you know, being an agent, it can be really stressful. And you are being, you know, essentially people's counselor. I think people overlook that and see agents just what feels like printing money in the good times. But it's a tough job. Nobody understands that over half of that agent's commission is gone with either tax or taxes, brokerage fees, or expenses. So they look mm -hmm. at 10 grand and they go, oh, you made 10 grand. No, I made five over the course of 90 days of feeding your kids because I was driving you around and you couldn't feed. You know, I mean, it's it, it's it's counseling on top. And and you know, I've got um we have an attorney on retainer and I'm I've got to talk to a family law attorney in a minute for personal stuff, but I love calling my attorneys counselors because they are as well, you know, and, are, yeah. and I think we don't really give people the credence for the the work that they do to pull us off our own ledge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A good attorney is worth his weight in gold too. Um, you mentioned you're at 800 units now. I know that takes quite a bit of time to get to. So how long have you been a property manager? I know you said over a decade. Yeah, we've been doing this about, I'm going to guess about 17 years. Um, I've got stats. I, I love numbers. So I've got stats back from day zero. Um, but we've just never had a significant acquisition. Everybody wants too much money for their for their stuff. There's a great Harvard study on what people would sell a cup of coffee for that they own versus what they would buy one for. And People always want more for their cup of coffee as, as if it's different than the other one, but uh, it's an emotional attachment, right? And so we can never make the numbers work for an acquisition. We've we've tried several uh, and uh, we just found it better to do the slow burn and grow over time. And we're really healthy. We've got an unbelievable team of people. Um, our people are ticking away, you know, eight years, seven years, five years with us as tenure as employees in a city where people don't stay in the city for three years. Yeah. So uh, it's been it's been really great. And I, I look forward to the next two years. I our, our goal is actually not to grow um, eternally. Our goal goal is actually to hit twenty one hundred units and stop growth. We want to create a queue. We want to improve quality. And we want to choose who we work with and we want to deliver uh, metrics of success. We actually do not want to just eternally grow. That's not in our plan. And since I'm the sole owner, I get to make that decision. We want to be about integrity. And so, uh, yeah, it's been a long, slow road one at a time. But I, I don't know. I don't think I would take it back because we've learned so many lessons on the way. I, I feel like we're just dramatically different people than all of us were on the team. And we're so much better. That's awesome. That's an interesting number, 2,100 units. What's what's the difference between 2,000? Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? 
Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join. GoBundance.com slash emerge. GoBundance.com slash emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. It was really balancing options mathematically so that we could have the appropriate number of management members, people on a team. It gives us different ways to cut and divide things within the company. And so uh, it just that's what we've seen is um, what would work best for us. That's awesome. So you really put some thought to it and said, hey, if I can get to this amount of units, I can have this amount of people working so we can provide this great quality of service too. That's cool. Oh, it's scripted. So um, we've got the plan in writing. We've got the accountability chart already designed and we work back from it mathematically. And then we re review that every year just to make sure we're on track. That's amazing. That's awesome. And I think that speaks to how you run your company too. If that's how you plan your goals, I think that's a good sign. Well, I mean, you look at the Japanese, they plan 100 years or 250 years out. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's just a different ideology when you're focused on a company and making it sustainable for that long versus, well, can I squeeze out money for the next quarterly profit earnings mm -hmm. call or something? Because you're going to tank your future and your quality and your clients if you do that. So if we're looking out at the end of the rainbow with this number and we don't when we get there, we get there, we, we, we have a plan, but. The truth is, when we get there, the only thing we're focused on after that is the highest quality and returns for our clients. It's not continued growth. It changes who you are. That's awesome. And yeah, no, that, it, it's, it's a win-win there too. So if you can keep clients' properties in good shape and rents up as high as you can and just grow to that 2100 number, I mean, it, it sounds like you have a great system and you're putting a lot of thought into it. So I, I really respect that. Matt, uh, What's the biggest mistake you've ever seen made in real estate investing? So because of what you do, I, I usually ask this question of like, hey, what, what's your biggest mistake on an investment? But uh, if you want to share just something you've seen done that, that turned out horribly for somebody or yourself, you know, there, uh, just some advice for other people. Yeah, we've certainly been through a, uh, more than a handful of situations that have gone south. I mean, you, you just you can't do business and not have anything go wrong, no matter how perfect you are, how hard you try. It's you're going to break some eggs to make an omelet. And that's just yeah. life. Um, I, I would say, uh, mind you, with a lot of lawsuits of bad residents or bad owners, we actually have more bad investors or, or landlords, should I say, than uh, bad residents, believe it or not. People just don't want to do what they're supposed to do legally or ethically. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I would say the biggest financial problems I've seen is people who either try to self-manage and then they're in so far over their head, we can't even help them get out. Uh -oh. Or uh, people who won't listen to good moral and ethical decisions. I think um, renting is not the problem. Owning a property is not the problem. Don't go buy a million dollar house and expect to rent it and make money. It isn't gonna happen. Like, you know, entry level cookie cutter deals are the no brainer. If you're gonna buy your dream house, well, that's your dream house. You didn't buy that because it was mathematically gonna give you the greatest return. So don't, mm -hmm. don't confuse the two, right? You have one goal, you, can, you can't have two goals or you don't have a goal. Uh, but the biggest problems we've had are people who just won't do the right thing um, 
or they won't hire somebody to just get out of their own way. And, um, and they don't want to admit defeat or ask for help. And it, it, it can balloon on people um, catastrophically. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that, like you talked about earlier, just being able to delegate those decisions to somebody else. You know, just just telling your property manager up front, hey, if something's broken up to this amount, just fix it. If it's above this amount, let me know. We'll decide about it together. Uh, I invest. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Originally, I invest in Louisville. We've got a handful of rentals there. We have a property manager who's awesome. And if something breaks, he fixes it. And we see That's on it. the statement at the end of the month. That's so, it. And you don't need another job. You can't yeah. you can't co-manage properties. We had a we get. We get about 135 inquiries a month uh, on average. And oh. uh, today, one of them came through and in the notes, the, the individual said, you know, hey, how do I select tenants? How do I make? I was like, yeah, this we're going to we're going to, of course, return your call, but <laughs> you don't do it. That's what you're hiring us to do. That's like me going to a CPA and telling them how to do my taxes. It's just it's not a good idea. It's not a good use of time either. If no, you're hiring somebody to do the work so you don't have to, and because they know how to do it right, you're better off going and doing something else that's going to make you more money so you can All buy day. more rentals. All day. So you're a high-paid tech person. You know, just focus on that, have fun after work, and put all your money into rentals and offload it to a property manager. It will be the easiest money you've ever made, and you'll be happy you did it. They will not make the decisions every time the same you will, and it will be okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and you have the experience and expertise to make those decisions to say, hey, we have to do this, or this could probably happen, or we're going to run into this issue, or you're going to later down the road run into a bigger maintenance cost because of it. And again, I'm not claiming that we're perfect. Um, a lot of times, simple miscommunication causes problems. Um, we had a healthy, small tree removed because there was miscommunication with the vendor who didn't remove a dead tree. And who the heck wouldn't call and say, why would you want to remove it? You know, why, why didn't they double check? But they didn't. And so we track credits that we have to give people because I'm certainly not going to charge the client for that. And so I'm not saying we're ever perfect, Yeah. but that wasn't even up to us. And we still take responsibility because it was under our watch. So uh, just don't expect anybody in any business to be perfect, but do expect them to care enough to own their mistakes yeah did they go back and actually get the dead tree out after that uh i i don't it hasn't been fully resolved yet i, okay. I i'm not sure exactly how it's going to end up to be honest with you and it's just disturbing to me that people will just go do work that they know is not correct and uh, or read something into it instead of just placing a phone call but i think a lot of people are just scared to pick up the phone now yeah yeah or it's just easier not to yeah Probably that's, easier. That's embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, so, Matt, if you had to start over today, is there anything you'd do differently when it came to your own real estate investing and building your property management company? Uh, two different topics, and I'll try to be short on each one. When it came to real estate investing, um, I would buy more homes. I would buy as many homes as I could possibly buy, especially before interest rates went up. I mean, and and, and they will eventually one day fluctuate again, right? They're yep. they're not permanently that way. But um that I just I I I wish I had a hundred more. Um and that that's 
So I don't have a, I haven't had a big error on that. I get single family homes, entry level, cookie cutter, and they have been wonderful. One of the larger homes I own, that's a two story. I didn't even want, but a client had it and I'm like, that's ah, fine. And they wanted to bail on it. And I said, I'll take it and fix it up. Um, I've had two of those. Those have been the ones I've hated the most was the two story larger homes because uh, I don't know. They just seem to have more headaches. The three twos to me, just, they just, they're like butter. Uh, from mm -hmm. a business standpoint, if I had to do something over again, I spent my first handful of years thinking I could figure things out. And it was a, uh, I, I learned a lot. And mostly I learned to be humble and I learned how to learn. And that was, I tell people, my biggest lesson in business was not how to figure anything out. Uh, you've maybe seen the book, Who Not How. Oh, love uh, it. Great book. But what I learned was how to shut my mouth, how to go pursue people that I admired, how to show up in their city and ask them to lunch, how to build friendships with them, and then how to branch off from those and find solutions with a completely open mind to just seeking solutions and get out of my own way. And learning how to learn quickly was probably the most powerful thing I ever learned in that journey. Yeah, I love that. I love the who not how concept and uh, you know, learning how to learn quickly, you know, talking about just having having examples or having mentors has been so helpful for me too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Um, Benjamin Hardy is an amazing author too. He's got a new book out called 10X is Easier Than 2X. It's probably my favorite one that he's written, but Who Not How is definitely number one or number two there too. Yeah, he's good stuff. That's awesome. Um, and having more houses, I, I've been investing in real estate for seven years myself, and I don't look back and say I shouldn't have bought that house. It's usually I should have bought that house, or I oh, should every have bought time. that. I, yeah. I have twenty of those that I go. Why didn't I just do it? Why didn't I? Just, I mean, I have twenty, and mm -hmm. um, and I, I probably regret all but one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not just buying anything out there. You're running the numbers, and if it's close or you're, the numbers work, you know, you buy it. Sometimes. It's not quite there, but you say, oh, it's probably going to be here in a year or two. And the the only house I regret um, or, or I'm I'm happy I didn't buy when I had, um, you know, I started from my parents were absolutely I hit the jackpot on parents. So please don't mm -hmm. take it any way other way. I hit the parental absolute lottery, mm -hmm. but um, they didn't hand me money. They handed me an education. They didn't yeah. give me money. And so uh, before I had two nickels to rub together. There was a home in San Antonio that was in horrible shape in a horrible neighborhood. And I did not buy that house. And that's the only one I'm happy I didn't buy. And it wasn't because the numbers didn't work because the numbers looked really good. It was because I, I think I would have just been sad at the condition. I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have had the integrity because uh, I wouldn't have the money to keep it up like I wanted. It, it, would have, it wouldn't have been representative of who I want to be as a human. And, um, and I'm, that's the only one I'm glad I didn't buy. I, and I probably wouldn't have been able to maintain it. It was in such bad shape. But that that one looks good on paper. And I'm I'm glad I didn't. Yeah. No, I think it's important. Like you mentioned, you have a you have a niche. You like a certain type of house. I love a slab three bedroom home. You know, that's just such an easy home to maintain. They're never going to go out of style. Everybody needs right. a place to live. They're so popular. So yeah, you got to find your niche. And I think that's almost counterintuitive because it seems like when you get started oh i should just throw a wide net buy whatever makes sense and mm -hmm. i found if i find exactly what i want and just stick with that it's a lot more productive 
Matt, what what are your long-term goals for real estate investing and where do you see yourself going? I know you said you bought uh, quite a few up in Missouri. What's the future look like for you? Jordan Moorhead here. Really quickly, wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us. If you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions, the Moorhead team on YouTube is the best place to be. And then Austin Real Estate Investors on Meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on. For investing, I will... Uh... I'll acquire just if it's a good price and good good um, setup on the home, just like you were mentioning, three two cookie cutter neighborhood, newer home, uh, cul de sac. No, I mean, I mean, I, I you just can't screw that up. Mm -hmm. But uh, as far as the future, I'll acquire whenever whenever they present themselves. Um, we are fortunately in a position now where I have a few different asset classes working for me. Whether it's I'm I love my Edward Jones guy, however. I uh, I personally I'm not a believer in the stock market. I just I won't throw a lot more sure. shade, shade on that. I'll just say it, it doesn't mesh with me. But I do have some money there. Mm -hmm. I also have money in things that are uh, FDIC backed. You know, five percent rate rate of return. I've got the business. I've got two other businesses that we're um, spinning off. We start selling in October. They're software businesses. Oh, cool. uh, and so I've got income from different levels, but I would acquire as many single family rentals as become available to me. Um, I just turned 50. And so my life now that the kids are gone and I'm kind of offloading some toys, I'm actually looking forward for the, a little bit of freedom. So I'm just not quite as driven to buy a hundred homes anymore, mm -hmm. but um, if they present themselves, don't think I'll hesitate. Yeah. No, I love that. I think, you know, you find the right deal. It makes sense to buy it as long as you've got the means to do it. Okay. So what are these, uh, you see, you mentioned you have some software businesses Are those related to property management or they property? are. So one of the uh, downfalls of being an entrepreneur is we think we see opportunity everywhere and we're like mm -hmm. squirrels trying to chase nuts in the yard. You know, we got to right. drag ourselves back and, and focus. Um, so over the years, um, we've noticed there was a couple areas of opportunity. One of those is property management is uber fragmented in the US. There's just, there's no major players. And if they say they're major, they're only major because Wall Street gave them enough money to buy out other companies and they still operate independently because no one has been able to put together the patchwork. It just, it doesn't function like a, a cloth that goes together. It, it, that's not how it functions. And so people are saying it, but they're not doing it anyway. Um, no one in the nation, uh, except one buddy of mine, had the uh, audacity or ability to create a software that would do metrics for single family rental owners. So like I can download data and I can put it on a spreadsheet or whatever, and I can create you a pie chart or I can upload it to a couple of softwares out there and they'll do it. None of them were directly connected. So uh, we happen to use one of the major platforms that has an open API. And a couple of the others refused. So it's like the Apple versus Google, right? Which is open or closed. And so we created a software which connects through the API in real time to Buildium property management software. And mm -hmm. the owners have a unique login. They can go in there and they can see everything we do in real time and they can chart all their rate of returns, their cash flows, their everything. It's all charted for them. Wow. And so um, we have it connected to Buildium now. We're bringing on beta users for it. We go to the rent manager, which is another property management conference in October up in uh, Dallas, and we are connected into their marketplace and we're going to start selling it there. 
Uh, I would love to be connected to Appfolio, but I, I think they, uh, they're they playing an Apple game where they want their own stuff and they're not going to share data because the data is very valuable, right? I can give away the software, but I want the data because I want to be able to tell you as a, an investor, this neighborhood produces a greater rate of return. Bam, just bottom line. But I am, uh, my buddy in Florida recently uh, made some changes. He used to have to download a CSV and then upload to make his work on a daily basis because it wasn't directly connected because he used uh, Appfolio. Mm -hmm. And uh, he uh, has made some recent changes. He's not going to keep pursuing that. So we have the only software in the nation that's connected in real time to a property management software for single family investors. And so um, I can tell you that the average rate of return for my clients is like 10.56% return on equity. Average. Now, mind you, we have people that call us that say, I hate you. I don't want to pay you. I don't trust you. My wife is leaving me and I need you to manage this rental and you suck. And, and the average client is still making above 10%. Now, tell me anywhere in the nation you can give money to somebody on an insured asset that actually exists in the universe, you can physically go touch it and make above a 10% return on equity. It doesn't exist. So, but we had to we had to prove that. We couldn't just talk the game. I ran the spreadsheets and those looked good, but that's not the same. Owners need to log in. So that's one of them. It's called the REI Monitor. Um, and it's available online. And then the other is uh, property assessment software. So as you go to a property, whether you're a realtor, whether you're a plumber, whether you're property manager, you go out and you need to take photos and you need to take videos and you need to transmit those and then archive them. But you need to do it quickly. The softwares that are out there are pretty expensive and they uh, are a little slow, like point, click, upload, label, point, click, which room does this go to? And it's, it's tedious, which labor is money. So we created one that is uh, an app and you can go out and you basically can take 250 photos if you want mass upload them. You can shoot some videos. You can share those through email or text uh, with anybody that you want, including teams, your owners, your vendors, whoever you want. And then it archives them. So you can then go back and search in, in the future and say 123 Smith Street. Well, what's the history of that property? Well, over the last 10 years, we've been to that property 25 times. And here is every photo and video over the last 25 years. And what's surprising is, is that the companies that have built these softwares are charging too dang much. So yeah. we're going to go in and what we're paying somebody right now is $600 a month for because ours is finishing one feature and should be ready to go anytime between now and next Tuesday. The, they, they, the government changed the texting parameters to avoid spam texting. And so we had to go back in and tweak that. Everything else operates. Um, we should be able to go to the marketplace for half price of the competition yeah. and just sell it and be done because property managers are cheap. And they don't want to spend money. Yeah, and Realtors don't want to spend money. And so we'll just go in and undercut everybody. And uh, Amazon Web Services is unbelievably cheap. So um, if you're using anything that consumes Amazon Web Services as a back end, man, go in and look at the competition because, I mean, it costs like 0.0001 cent to do some of these things and store the data. And they're charging $1,000 a month. So we're entering into that game, too. That's amazing. That REI, REI monitor is very interesting too. I have a, a buddy who owns a property management company in Minnesota. And one of his clients built a spreadsheet to kind of do all that. He built a very complex spreadsheet so he can track returns. So 
I'm going to tell him about this, and maybe he can just plug that in and get if rid of it. If he uses Buildium, I'm happy to bring him on as a beta tester. Uh, if he uses Propertyware or those, they're not going to release the information. They won't let him take it out of the software. So he'll have to download and then upload uh, to a spreadsheet or something to get those graphs and everything. But um, that's just a choice everybody makes. No, I'll check on that. I'm very sure he uses Buildium because he talks about it all the time. Man, send him over. All right. Awesome. Uh, Matt, do you have a favorite book or books you like to recommend to people? You know, there's I, I'm looking around my office, uh, which is the front living area. and I've got books kind of everywhere, to be honest <laughs> with you. And I, I don't know why I won't give them up, to be honest, because I mean, some of them you're not going to read twice. Uh, but if I had to name one that was the biggest impact or change, uh, the book Traction is where yeah. we get our operating system from. And if you're not a business owner, that's fine conceptually it's the same. If you do run a business, um, I, I read it years ago when it first came out and I put it away. And then people kept coming up to me like three years later going, Oh my God, this book changed everything. And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't get it. Like I read it and it, Oh, you have to actually do it. You can't just mm -hmm. read it and put it on the Implement shelf. It. So I, I took yeah. it. I opened it up again. Um, there are courses and people and implementers, and they cost tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. We took the book. We got together with our leadership team, and I said, I'm not spending 10K. Can we do this and make it fit us? We just created our own system using mm -hmm. that, tweaked it to what would benefit us the most. We implemented ourselves. We take ownership. It's been spectacular. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think more than anything, it brings the team together with common goals. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's one other one. I'd say one other one. And if you do the Audible, you'll be highly entertained by the guy's accent. Um, it's called uh, The Great Game of Business. And it's based on a real company that was going out of business. And this guy's got the thickest Chicago accent. And it is... Um, it's a good story, but we implemented that as well because the holy grail to me in business is when you connect the profit of the business to the benefit of your employees um, because then they win when you win and everybody's rowing the ship in the same direction. And uh, we implemented a version of that for us to help us reach our goals to 2100. So the employees win when we hit our goals, when the customers hit their and everybody's in the boat going the same direction. But great game of business is another. That's a fun one if you do the audible just because of the accent. I'll check that out. I've not heard that one. Yeah, no, I love the the aligned interest of the employees and the customers and you know also the ownership. I think that really helps get to where you're trying to go. Uh, Matt, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you or reach out to you and learn more about what you're doing? 1836 Property Management is the company. If you wanted a shorter URL, because that's too long, just go to 1836PM, like propertymanagement.com. That's the short version. Okay. If you forget the year, because everybody tends to mess up the year, it's Texas Independence. Okay. So 1836 is the year Texas became a republic. And um, I can't say it's the best, but the numeric has helped us versus the alpha. And I could probably say it's hurt us some other ways, but that's what we've had. We're not changing it. It's who we are. All right. Yeah, you got a, a good following right now, 800 units. Do you have any sort of social media handle or anything people could follow you at? You know, uh, the best thing would actually be for them to go through the website because it's got the links on there that okay. they could go to the different outlets. And if I call them out to you, I'm going to probably get them wrong because I'm 50 now and I get to claim old age as uh, my lack of social media knowledge. I don't know. 50, you're not good. You don't claim it yet. Maybe when you get to 60 or 70, you can start to claim it. I still really thrive and love um, 
personal relationships with people that mean something. And I, to be honest, I struggle with you on social media because there's so many people that say so many cruel things. Yeah. And um, and I don't like being around that. So I I really gravitate towards actually meaningful conversations. Absolutely. No, I agree there. Um, it's an interesting, interesting thing we got going on there with social media. Well, awesome, Matt. Thank you so much for coming on here today. I want to be respectful of your time. I know you have a call to jump on here soon. But if anybody wants to reach out to Matt, I think the easiest way would just be 1836pm.com. And I'm sure he'd love to tell you about property management here in Austin and what he's doing with real estate investing. We've got a great team. They'll take care of you. If they need anything from me, we're in touch all day. They'll put me anytime. But uh, I, I think the main thing is get in the game. Um, get in the game. Get in the game. Because yep. you can analyze this until you just – you're losing – a thousand, two thousand dollars a month by sitting on the sidelines. So don't don't do something foolish. Don't go crazy, but just do something simple and easy. And a three two cookie cutter brand new home is as easy as it gets. You're going to be happy you did. Absolutely, I love that. Get in the game is the best advice you're ever going to get. I appreciate All your right. time today, Jordan. Absolutely, thanks, Matt. We will talk here soon. Sounds great.